Most of you know that I'm from Alabama, and today I'm going to tell you an Alabama story. When I was in high school, my best friend Amanda and my little sister Mary and I decided that we were going to take an adventure down the Cahaba River. Now, I had floated down the Cahaba River before with some friends. The idea was that you would park your car a couple miles from our high school, drop in the water, and then you would know when you got to the high school that it was time to get out of the river. But this particular day that this little trio decided to adventure was quite different than the time before. This day, it had been raining already for days, and we were still receiving our end of a hurricane that hit the coast. We decided then not to abort our mission, but to just find a, the best sturdy float that we could find. So what we did was take Amanda's parents' tube, like a tube that you use to pull behind a boat at the lake, and decided that that would be enough for the three of us. We drove to the place where we would drop off our car, and I called my mom, but the call went something like this. Mom, we're dropping in the river. Then I hung up the phone and threw it into the car. Of course, the water was high and the current was swift. And honestly, I can't remember much of what it was like on the water. But my sister, Mary, she remembers a point where we came to a log that blocked our passage. And instead of taking that as a sign to get out of the water, we decided we would climb on top of the log and go over it. The problem was our friend Amanda was sucked underneath the log. She was okay, but after continuing to float for a while, we quickly realized we had definitely missed our mark and we had floated very far past the high school and it was time to get out. So luckily, we noticed a rope swing on the side of the banks. And my sister and I, being swimmers for most of our lives, thought, why don't we just jump off the raft and swim to the rope? And so we did. We grabbed that rope, we pulled Amanda and the tube in, and at least now we were on dry ground. The problem was, we were in the middle of the woods, we had no idea where we were, and we were barefoot. So naturally, we did the first thing that we could think of, we started to run. We ran, and we ran, and we ran, and I'm kid not kidding, I'm not making this up. Then we started to hear gunshots. So, of course, these three girls in the middle of the woods, no cell phone, no watch, we were terrified, and we were panicked. Finally, after running and running and running, we came to a neighborhood, and this sweet older woman allowed us to stand on her porch and make a phone call. Uh, not come in her house, which I don't blame her. <laughs> and we called uh, our mother. Of course, our mother was already in her car trying to follow the river, trying to figure out where we might be. And, you know, I asked my mom a couple days ago when I was thinking of this story, Mom, did you not just want to hurt me when you came to me? And the truth, she said, was that when she finally made it to us, we were so hysterical. We, and we knew we had done something wrong that all she could do was give us a hug. I've found that when I read the story of Exodus, I'm often annoyed by the Israelites. I'm not sure, maybe you feel that way too. It seems like they spend a lot of their time complaining and arguing, 
after God has delivered them from slavery. But the truth is, we only skim a sketch of their wilderness experience. They are the ones that had to live it. And they have already, at this point, endured running through the woods in the dark from Pharaoh. They have already survived the raging waters. They are terrified and they are panicked because now an essential human need is missing. What this story has to offer us is a picture of a wilderness in a literal and figurative sense. The wilderness becomes a metaphor. It is a liminal space. It is a place of transition. It's a holding pattern. We know where we've been, but we don't quite know where we're going. And that makes it full of uncertainty and doubt and anxiety. Suddenly, we have no control. We have no order. We have no assurance that what we need to survive, we will get. We find in this liminal state that emotions ebb and flow without restraint. We feel things we don't want to feel. We say and we do things outside of our normal character. And sometimes we convince ourselves that going back to our pre-wilderness life is better than this liminal road to freedom. Right now in Nashville, Tennessee, we are experiencing this liminal state. We are devastated by the damage and loss of life from last week's tornadoes. We are anxious and uncertain about the coronavirus. We are afraid for our most vulnerable. Some of us don't know what to think. We're still fact-finding. And because we do not have concrete answers, we are disoriented. We are seeking to live one day at a time, trying to remain calm, trying to be faithful to the next right step. So I think we can relate to this story, and in fact, it may be exactly what we need today. Listen to how it unfolds. Moses doesn't know what to do with the chaos and the very real fear that people are experiencing. And so he turns to God and he says, what shall I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. And God says, go ahead of the people. Take some of the elders. Take that staff that you've already used to perform a miracle in Egypt. And I will be standing there in front of you on the rock. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that people may drink, so that people will have what they need. This is the first time I've paid close attention to the position of God. God went before Moses. God led Moses to the next right step. God did not leave Moses to figure it out for himself. When our wilderness is scary and our threats are very real, God is our compass. God does not leave us alone to figure it out for ourselves. God shows up like a mother, not with a reprimand, but with a hug. In the midst of distancing, God does not distance himself from us. Our job is to calm down long enough to turn to God, to pay attention and seek God's guidance. And if we do that, 
God will lead us to the place where living water flows. God will pour into our dehydrated souls whatever life-giving, life-sustaining gift that we need. And I feel like this is perhaps one of the most important reminders for us right now. If any of us is going to endure the wilderness, we have to admit when we're running on empty and turn our intentions and our attention back to God. If you're like me, you have not slowed down this week. You've been reading articles and listening to experts and talking to friends in the medical profession. We've all been watching people post different opinions on social media. And I, like you, I've laid down at night and it's been hard to turn my mind off. And so I'm going to invite us all right now, exactly where we are, to close our eyes and take three deep breaths. If we want to remain calm, if we want to connect to God for the life-sustaining things that we need, we have to stop and breathe and take care of ourselves. Because there is also something else in this story. God went ahead of Moses, but Moses went ahead of the people. And in times like these, we need leadership. When people around us are acting out of scarcity, let us be people who speak of God's provision. When people around us are anxious, let us be the ones to offer them a seat by still waters. When people around us are asking, is the Lord among us or not? Let us be the ones who say yes, God is standing there right in front of you. When the Israelites were fearful in the wilderness, God did not remove them from it. God maybe didn't even protect them from it. But God showed up and God provided everything they needed through Moses. And God can use us in the same ways. I keep a stack of photos on my bedside table. The one on top of the stack right now is of my son, Lewis, pressing his face up against the clear part of the washing machine. I want you to at least get a laugh this morning. At the bottom of that stack of photos is another set from a trip that my husband, Mark, and I took to Canada and Montana in September of 2017. There's one specific photo of me from a 11.4 mile hike to Grinnell Glacier that always gives me pause. We caught this hike in the very last week the park was open. It was the most incredible one that we've done to date. You can see that we traversed all sorts of terrain. I'm in the photo there on the corner. Might be hard to see from where you are. But this photo is important to me because it brings me back to a wilderness time in my life 
and in our lives as a married couple. As I've shared with many of you before, just two weeks before this trip, we received the news that my first 10-week pregnancy had ended in miscarriage. And this photo reminds me that on that hike to Grinnell Glacier, the whirlwind inside of me was able to calm down. In fact, there's a specific point on the trail that it helps me to recall. I was taking a turn, I was walking in front of my husband, and I noticed water slowly rolling off a huge rock. And standing there, looking to the heavens, watching it rain down as snow lightly fell around me, I felt overwhelmed by the presence of God, and I felt reassured that even though the wilderness had just begun, I was going to be okay. And that along the journey, I could trust God to hold me up and carry me through. I wonder how many times the Israelites had to look back and remember that God carried them through and God would do it again. I think that when we face a new wilderness in life, whatever it may be today, we are able to look back and see that God has been faithful to us in the deep, dark woods before, and God will be faithful to us right now. The good news for all of us who are thirsty for it is that we do not travel this road alone. We may not be together physically, but we have the strength of our people around us, and we have the unchanging constant presence of God. What I've learned is that if we choose to endure the wilderness, we begin to learn what we're made of. And in this season of Lent, we remember that we're made of the stuff of the earth. We are fragile. We are human dirt in need of our creator. But we are also tough and resilient we are people our Creator wants to use to bring about hope and steadiness in a world whose sand is shifting. So today, let us all admit when we are weak and when we need the life-sustaining, flowing water of God, and let us trust that God is going to give us everything we need.